Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars, and this week, Cockney Car Insults. I was looking at an advert for a car this week. I can't even remember what it was. Just, you know, browsing car and classic like we do. And in the advert, it said, quite near the top, best colour combination for this model. And I suddenly thought, says who? What's <laughs> your opinion? Don't tell me what's the best. And particularly because it was like grey with black leather. You just go, I mean, yes, it looks nice, but don't tell me that's the best colour combination. The best for you. Grey with black, do you say? That's sort of like Korma Curry levels of creativity. Well, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Just a, the best outfit one can wear. Well, it's just jeans and a blue shirt. I mean, you could you could be more inventive, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you don't have to be Timmy Mallet, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line in between. <laughs> Mallet <laughs> versus... Like an Edwardian dandy. Don't go that far, but you could jazz it up. And, you know, who knows? I think it was a 911, almost certainly. I'm always looking at Of course it was, super safe, No, grey. hey, wait, do you know what? I, it was not. I remember now. It was an Aston Vantage. Oh, okay, um, okay. And what, what? What's the name of the grey? Is it like d- freshly dredged pond grey or something? Or I don't know, cl- clay pit. I think on that particular Aston, it was called Dead Uncle Grey. Um, <laughs> Deceased. <laughs> Deceased, deceased family member Grey? Disco- <laughs> discovered Uncle Grey. <laughs> well, we just went round to see him and there was no answer at the door. And so we went to the neighbour, Jean. Do you know Jean? Well, she's lovely anyway, but she's got a key. So she let us in and there he was on the kitchen floor. All grey as an Aston. Oh, he grey. was grey. He was grey, yes. He was grey as an Aston. Aston. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, I'd, I'd imagine his interior was quite black, like Bob's Aston as well. Actually, he'd been there a few days, you know. So, I know what you mean because there are colour combos, like when a car's launched, and people go, "Oh yeah, well it always looked good in that blue." In fact, I saw a 350Z Nissan for sale yesterday and thought someone had gone, "This is the colour combo. I love this." And it's true; it's the burnt orange with the sort of caramac. Yeah. Um, slightly diarial interior. Is diarial a word? I don't know. It is now. And I just kind of Diarrheal. Yeah. Would it be diarrheal? I don't know. Diarrheal, diarrheal. Diarrheal-ish. Diarrheal. Yeah, well, you know what I mean, don't you? You know, it's sort of arse airbrushed um, kind of effect. But I absolutely loved the colour combo, I think. And that 350Z design language, I really liked. So... But yeah, it's beauty in the eye of the cup holder. But don't you think it's that it's at certain cars when you you conjure them up in your mind's eye, they are just a colour, and a three fifty Z is always that burnt orange in my mind's eye. Yeah. In the same way that um, a Subaru Impreza is always blue 
If it's a WRX with, with gold with wheels, yeah, with gold yeah. wheels. What's a? Um, I'm trying. I'm going to try and going to try and see what where your mind is going because this is the sort of thing a psychologist would do. So, Richie, um, <laughs> I'm sitting on the on the side of the road watching time go by, and suddenly a Skoda Octavia goes past. What colour is it? Oh, we see that would be grey. Well, there you go. It's grey. It's check. That would check be check grey. Uncle Dennis's last day's grey. <laughs> so you can't just do different shades of dead person. <laughs> it's not. No, it's talking things in the mind's eye. Though I can see uh, having having confected this idea of finding dear old your mum's brother who lived alone, his <laughs> kitchen floor expired. I can even see the house. It's a dormer bungalow. Of course, it's a dormer. A really good vista on the back. Um, yeah, the back bedroom. Properly good vista. Oh, Did you think the... it's like fields behind? Nice sort of open. Oh yeah, yeah, open fields. And this this guy, this sadly deceased guy you're talking about. Um, he was he. I mean, what did he drive? What were his hobbies? We see. I'd almost see. He's an uncle of a certain age. Yeah. I think I suppose never married. I'm making this story even more tragic. Um, <laughs> but he very much, I think, an Octavia, a grey Octavia. Do you, oh, okay. So he wasn't particularly interesting then. Wasn't no, because I, I was going to go for an absolutely mint Corrado. Oh, and he bought it new, and it's still mint. It's done like thirty thousand. Well, now you're making me even more sad at the passing of Uncle Dennis because it's like he sounds like he got got a bit about him. Dennis is, very, Dennis is very Dennis is very grey, but Well he is now. <laughs> but the Carrado but the but the Carrado is not. Ah Carado, is Well it? there's a good one. Carrado Yeah. I do like a Carrado. I do. Uh, pops into my mind's eye. It's always that late model purple. Oh yeah, like an Do you remember the, yeah. the sort of pearlescent purple they did on late storms, I think. Don't know if it's on good, the other ones. That's a good colour. I mean, I always liked the yellow, but the yellow was very rave era nineties. Yeah, um, I think once um, once alternate stopped having chart hits, they deleted the yellow from the the Corrado. They range. did. Every, they did. Everyone went. Look, it's the rave sort of. It's peaked and gone. So can we stop? <laughs> can we stop doing custard yellow sporty cars? <laughs> Oi, with your M three E thirty six, get out. <laughs> Can you stop smoking weed outside schools and go away? Oh, there's another one. Fiat Cinquecento Sporting, always yellow, mm. in my mind's eye. I know they did other colours. Categorically yellow. I mean, why would you buy a non-yellow one? You've got to be some sort of fool. Well, they sort of, they looked all right in the red, but and I think they, could you get it in silver and black? I feel like you could, but, you know, nobody would bother because cause it was the most yellow car in history the red ones notoriously had a three-week warranty um because they went pink on the fourth week so yeah because the uv got to them especially if you lived anywhere with any sunlight uh you were fine if you were in ireland ireland and scotland they had a full warranty but outside of those two places it was like "Mm, yeah it's a three-week warranty on the red ones yellow ones you're absolutely fine in Ireland and Scotland, I heard that, in fact, if anything, the moisture made them get more red as time went on, like a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so what, the Fiat dealers would sometimes ship them over to Ireland for a two-week kind of UV sabbatical? Yeah. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, I yeah. and Carados, I was offered a free Carado once. What? Yeah. Free? Years ago. Yeah, free. I mean, it was absolutely frigged. I never saw it in real life, but it sounded like it was really... It had been neglected for a long time and not run. It was what? a 16-valve, so it wasn't It wasn't a VR6 or a G60. It was a, It was just sort of y- y- your entry-level Corrado. But also, it had Richard. gone really quite pink. Rich, there are I know, but I was built don't, car. What don't, are you, I know, some I know, sort of I know, swine I know. flute? It's a new was, ailment. Was, I've just made it up. I was offered this just as I was moving to London, and I, it was it was the wrong time. It was the wrong time have, to have basically some other responsibility because I'd have had to gone and got the Corrado from I think it was in Leicester. Oh, you idiot! I live near Leicester. Well, I didn't know you then. Oh. If I could turn back time, well, as Cher said, I would I would go and I would tell you. There's a free Corrado with your name on it. <laughs> Can you imagine Cher actually in a really baggy Corrado? <laughs> but still of, wearing that, that outfit with the strips of... She's wearing the outfit, but it's really faded and scabby. And it's got a really sort of tappity engine because she never checks the oil. And she sometimes cheekily smokes the windows up. So you're like, oh, come on, Cher. You've really, you've really, you've really shagged this Corrado. It's a shame. Such a shame. But she says, oh, if I could turn back time, I would take better care of it. But it just feels like it's a pointless endeavour. I might just drive it to Leicester and leave it. That's exactly what she did. In fact, that might have been one of her tour names, um, driving it back to Leicester or dumping it in Leicester <laughs> or Leicester, depending Leicester. on <laughs> Leicester. What I can't get over with that video where she's wearing the, 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 the strappy outfit that barely covers things. Yeah. is that, and she's sort of prancing around on a US warship of some sort, is that one of her band in the background is her son. Really? So this, yeah, I think it's the guitarist, and he's standing there miming his guitar while basically having to look. And, you know, these, those video shoots, I mean, they go on for ages, don't they? Shot after shot, I'll just change the angle Yeah, that again. was expensive video. Looking at his mum's ass, jiggling about all the time. It's just like, how is he not dying of embarrassment? <sighs> Was Cher, because funny, my daughter, uh, with all the um, the sort of fitness that's going on, the home fitness at the moment, my, my daughter's quite into it with 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 my m- wife. And she asked me the other day, she, she said, um, oh, Daddy, um, can, I pl- can we play some Madonna? She'd been listening to some Madonna. And I said, yeah. She said, how old's Madonna? I said, Madonna's really quite old now. You know, she's like a, sort of, I guess, a kind of grandmother era she's in her 60s yeah and it sort of popped into my head and i said i do you know madonna was like one of the first women who made kind of i think going to the gym fashionable um and she said really i said because madonna's always been like a gym fanatic hasn't she when a lot of women weren't doing that stuff well what about jane fonda was she a gym warrior oh yeah jane fonda famously so yeah Okay, so and then now you've said Cher, I'm thinking Cher's older than Madonna. So Cher, Cher Cher's is older ripped, than Madonna. or she was ripped. Uh, yeah, maybe her Corrado didn't have power steering. Is <laughs> it power steering? No, I might be thinking of Sirocco. Sirocco's didn't have power Sirocco's steering. Sirocco's had really physical steering. Really what physical other cars steering? Have and got... no brake servo, I seem to remember, on uh, no. any of them. The well, they were, they, they, were, they were notoriously bad. You had to have a heavy foot and you had to have good arms. That's why Madonna's arms are the way she is. What did Madonna used to drive then? She's got a non-pass she, car of some sort. 
she, exactly. She 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 spits on people if they give her a hire car that has pass. Musicians of her kind of status would have a rider wherever they go. You know, it must be seventeen bottles of chilled Perrier and all that sort of stuff. But do you think oh. that uh, Madonna is like she must, and it's underlined, have access to a late model Volkswagen Scirocco uh, with no power steering, so that she can keep her arms in um, in tone. That's what it is. Condition and and with wheel spacers with 8j maybe 9j front <laughs> front wheels and tires so it, and with, with lots of tow in so it's like god this is a real monster to drive sub 20 miles an hour round town she's like no it's absolutely fine wherever she's playing her pa goes on ahead and has to vet the parking space that's been laid on for Madonna. <laughs> and if it's um if it's one you can just drive straight into no not good enough uh, Madonna will only, again, it's underlined and it's in capitals, only parallel park outside the dressing room door. Oh, gosh. That's a two... I mean, that's a bit like my Charger. My Dodge hasn't got power steering, and that can be, when you're manoeuvring uh, into spots, it, it's a two-hander on one side of the wheel. That's the so, giveaway, isn't it? That's the, yeah, that's two-handed the, on the one side. the mark of heavy steering is both <laughs> you can't. on one side of the wheel. Mm. It's impossible to hide. I, even Vin D, even Vin Diesel, I, I guarantee, has to do a two-hander on one side of the wheel. It's not a dignified driving technique. <laughs> no, because it... <laughs> you look like a panicky man trying to shut off the water hatch on a dam or something <laughs> on a submarine. <laughs> please, please, close. It shows that you're at the mercy of the machine. I think that's what it shows. It's, it's got you. Yes. You're not you're not winning because it's blatantly very stiff and you've got to get this thing into the space and you just can't do it with one arm on one side of the wheel. It's both arms on, on the left or the right, depending on what you're doing. Fact. Didn't think we'd be talking about this this morning. I I um I've put on some brute this morning, Rich. I've I've put splash on brute onto my skin. Okay, um, first question is, why do you still have some brutes? Well, I, uh, there's a story. It's not too long, so don't worry. I, I got given some brute by my mate Nick Farrow, who um, is a good friend of mine, who looks very much like Peter Kay in Max and Paddy's Road Trip to Nowhere. And, um, and talking of that particular comedy... Um, he has a motorhome, and he was my crewman when we, were, we when I was racing my electric car. And one day, when we turned up at a race meeting, the usual, he brings the Fiat Ducato, I bring the race car and the food. And uh, he he had this huge bottle of Brut with like a little chain across the front. He went, Johnny, he's from Manchester, he went, Johnny, put this on, just smash some of this on it's absolutely gorgeous and he just laced my neck and all of my clothes with it it was pouring down my front <laughs> and he went, he went smells fucking lovely doesn't it you haven't smelled that for years and and I went no I haven't, I haven't smelled that for ages and weirdly I've, I started wearing it and I got complimented on it because people haven't smelt brute in ages and and I'm not even I'm not even superstitious whatsoever, Rich. Every time I laced it on hard just before um, we raced, I did really well, did did a PB on really? the track. So my mate Nick was like, Johnny, it's a sign. You've you, you got to go hard on the brute. And I, one evening when we were joking with a couple of other racers, 
we told them this and they insisted one of them insisted on doing it and he laced a load on the next day and he and I can he can vouch for this he ran a PB absolutely reeking of brute so it became a bit of a a bit of a thing in the pits and what's great about it is is you you can buy a huge quantity of brute for like six pounds it's so cheap it's wonderful they always sell it in independent chemists don't they yeah, they do, and it that an old spice. Yeah, and I I still quite like old spice weirdly, and they had a massive campaign, didn't they, a couple of years ago, um, like a rejuvenated commercial campaign, and it was really funny. Whoever thought of that, but yeah, brute. It says on the back of the bottle here, brute. The I wish you could smell me, brute. It doesn't say that. I'm just <laughs> saying that to you. <laughs> um, sorry, brute. Sorry. I wish you could smell me. <laughs> no, sorry. I'll say. I'll start again. Brute. That would be an amazing TV advert if they could get someone mega famous, like I don't know, Chris Hemsworth or something. Oh, Chris and Hemsworth with this just dripping down his neckline, really deep V. Oh yeah, very deep V. He'd be wearing a thin deep V. Michael Douglas in Basic Instinct spec deep V. Oh, oh absolutely, and somebody is just rinse this all down his neck and it's dripping it hasn't evaporated yet it's still dripping but the at the and end he just turns to the camera and he goes brood i wish you could smell me i wish you could smell me absolutely the essence of man used liberally all over your body to tone your skin with the fresh and distinctive fragrance of wait brood. you're now reading off the bottle right that's, that's i i am confused. reading off the bottle yeah could you do a different accent or a higher voice when you're reading off the bottle because i got higher voice out for a second there. i don't know if i can do a higher voice why do you want to do, <laughs> do, do an unconvincing welsh accent when you're reading off the bottle it'll be fine uh i can't i i sort of freeze when you ask me to do specific accents um brood it's just a man isn't it just just reach for the first one that's in on the shelf Brute, the essence of man, use liberally all over your body to tone your skin with that fresh and distinctive fragrance of brute, you bastard. Uh, that was a sort of really bad Sean Bean. I'm thinking Sean Bean. I was like hearing Hilary Duvet off Dragon's Den, I'll be honest. <laughs> it was good. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I, I, in fact, if anything, I enjoyed it more, the idea that Hilary Duvet is reading out uh, a brute bottle. But Hilary um, Duvet would bring out um, a brute rival just called You Smelly Bastard. Fook by Hilary Duvet. You sexy bastard, you. You splashed it all over me, nape, and now I want to eat you. She'd have a sort of really crap... Lancastrian Chris Hemsworth look-alike and she'd be sort of she'd go up to him and just go oh yeah eee, I wish you could smell him oh it's true he'd be like, he'd be a roofer wouldn't he <laughs> called Jordan <laughs> yeah. and, and, <laughs> and he would he'd uh, what he'd turn he'd go he'd rock up in what would he turn up in with a deep V obviously but what would he be driving uh, in the ad E46 coupe strong I feel okay. like we're being we're being mean on on the the the, the sort of nineties two thousands three series coupes because we were ragging on them last week as well. But um, I, I'm I love the E forty six. I do Still, as well. It's it's, it's an M three. It's my best M three. It's my favourite. Oh, I'm not talking M three. No, no, no. Jordan. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Jordan the roof has got a got a three thirty CI. Oh, yeah, okay, CI. okay, yeah. okay, CI, oh, CI. 
No, um, absolutely not. Knocked a bit of money off the value by the fact that it absolutely honks of Hilary Duvet's <laughs> knock-off, covered market, brute substitutes. What, you sexy bastard, or whatever it's called. Anyway, earlier on, oh. you know what I was saying? Like, it really, it wound me up when there was an advert for an Aston that said, best colour combo, and I was like, you just mind your own, it's, I'll decide if that. And I started <laughs> be thinking about other things in classified ads for cars that slightly get on my wick and the other one that it doesn't it doesn't annoy me so much it just sort of makes me laugh because it's idiotic is first to see will buy oh yeah and you go it's it's presumptuous it's very presumptuous. oh yeah on 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 whose watch on whose watch well i always think technically the first person who saw the car after you placed the ad was probably you so you've just had to buy your own car if this <laughs> magic power really exists which hmm, no it doesn't you ass. it's really weird what's the psychology behind it it's like it's it's it's, it's, it's not persuasive because in a way you'd sort of go oh shit well i better not go and see it then in case i buy it when it turns out that it's in fact riddled with rust but it has this magic power to make you buy it nonetheless it's just oh my gosh you're buying maybe are you buying like dynamo the magician's car and you just yeah. turn up and you go and it's and you, you clap eyes on it and ju- just after you look, looked at it and your brain went oh it's got a little it's a bit more scabby than i was expecting you just go yeah i'll buy it no problem i bought it dynamo and um what's his face darren darren brown um, oh darren yeah all of they- these magicians but they just fuck with people now they just when they're selling a car they just put first to see will eat an onion <laughs> Because they just know they've got that that level of mind control. They can just do it. First to see will suddenly believe they've got no trousers on in front of a crowded room. We need to tap up Dynamo. Um, I could see him with this convincing Bradford accent actually Bradford. pulling that off. Bradford, yeah. What, so th- this could be a, a new niche. Funny enough, I know the producer of his recent Sky series. As well. I know I you do. I know you do, because I, I don't know him as well as you, and I was watching it, and it's blimmin' excellent. I think Dynamo's amazing. Do you know what I really like about it as well uh, is the way that he does a trick to people in the street and then he just buggers off. I love that. That's what my wife likes. She says, just watch. As soon as they their minds are blown, he's just going to walk. He won't answer any questions. He doesn't do questions. He's a bit like Donald Trump. He just turns and walks. That's it, go. I did see Trump doing exactly the same thing this week. He'd obviously got a pre-prepared line that he wanted to deliver to the press corps before he got on the plane, and he did it. But Dynamo has got the sense of timing where he knows exactly the point he should just go. It's like there's a beat while they go, oh, my God. So he, he just sort of... He sees the amazement, and then before they can go, but he's gone. He's gone. Whereas Trump did it too quickly. Trump went, here's my pre-prepared line. Okay, bye. And it just made him look like a coward because he was running off before there could be any follow-up questions. Is that like shouting shouting twat at someone, but you've already started running? Yes. Is it like that? Yes, yeah, exactly cool. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, you got, yeah, you're really bad. Oh, you're mate, bad. you're a wanker. And the, but you're already Yeah, well, you're saying that because you've already got on the bus and the doors are closing, big guy. <laughs> That's, do you know, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here when I tell you that, that I discovered from... from the guy we know who produced that show that they they, they do the, the dynamo bugger off because it removes the awkwardness because of course the first thing a lot of people do is they go go on show us how, how it's done how do you do that and he can't say because that spoils everything so he just has his go, career can't tell you and then it just all descends into awkwardness so they just went well, just just walk off i love it so he just walks off and it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant i love it because i and dynamo likes his motors as well i've noticed that yeah, he's got a, he's got a G sixty three, I think, at the moment. I was told. Has he? 
Yeah. I know he likes his modified cars. I've, I've often seen a few sort of Max Power cars about, you know, modified Japanese stuff, and I think that's his vibe. Yeah, because I met, I met Dynamo. Um, Have you? Yeah, but I didn't know he was Dynamo. <laughs> I'd never heard oh, of him. This was years ago. You plug. At the launch of the Range Rover Evoque up in Liverpool. They did this event to... to you know, get people in the UK, journalists in the UK driving the, the Evoke. And in the evening, uh, he was the sort of turn in the room who just went around as people were having a little drinks reception doing close-up magic. Oh, my gosh. And he was absolutely mind-blowingly brilliant. And this was, when did the Evoke come out? God, like 2011 or something? So it was, it was yeah, a while 2012, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, actually, Dynamo was quite successful at this point. It's just I'd not been paying attention. So... Um, he you, you he came around and he was so good. He was amazing uh, up close as well. You know, the close-up magic is as impressive as the stuff that you see on TV where you kind of think, well, you know, I suppose there could be some other wizardry going on here. But when you see him in a room with nothing, you know, no screen between you and him, he's incredible. And I almost said to him, not realising that he was already doing all right, hey, there's that Penn and Teller show on the TV where they get magicians, I think it was called Foolus or something at the time, you should go on that. And I almost said that to him, and thank God I didn't, because someone oh, later gosh. showed me a picture of him with his arm round, like P. Diddy or something. And I was like, oh, oh wait, no, I'm, he's, I'm he's so, already doing all right for himself. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so glad. That's like, oh, gosh, that, that's really, it's like meeting Katy Perry and going, you know, you sing quite well. Yeah, you've got a good voice. You should do this. You might get a music deal, if you're lucky, and you go, hmm, embarrassing. Do you know what's weird? There's a... <clears throat> There's a UK there's a UK rap artist called H who H H A I T C H Oh yes okay I've seen that And he's down. now I um when I first heard him which would have been I don't know 5 months ago or something I thought just from his voice hang on this is this is definitely dynamo this is this is Dynamo the musician who's doing music. You know, he's doing a bit of a sort of Lewis Hamilton. He's really good at one thing, but he thinks, no, I'm going to try and be good at something else as well. And it's like, oh, okay. I was convinced it was Dynamo under a pseudonym, but it it, it isn't. But H is, <clears throat> you know, one of these UK grime kind of people, but obviously from Yorkshire in that instance. And he's a generation of artists, and I think I guess there's some quite good ones about, but they they they're using the vocoder too much, Rich. It, yes. Do you know the thing I mean? The yeah, auto. I know the well, talking as we were about Cher, of course, she was in the oh, vanguard of vocoder with um, Believe. Oh my gosh, it's one of the worst she songs ever. in the life of love. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean though. It's, cause my, it's tragic. My wife. Uh, is clinging to youth and still has Radio 1 on in the car. So if I get if I get in the car after she's been using it, she's she's got it on Radio 1. And uh, it's a good indicator of a few things. What music they're playing, I suppose, being one of them, but also just what kind of mood I'm in, is how long I can tolerate Radio 1 before, <laughs> as a 45-year-old man, I have to retreat to the sanctuary of six music or, or something off my phone. And I have heard a lot of songs in recent, well, sort of few years now, isn't it, when the, that, all that yeah. vocodery sort of stuff became an the auto-tuning, norm. just became prevalent in contemporary pop hits, mate. Well, even if you can sing, I mean, somebody like Drake, who's massive, he used, I've never heard him sing without a vocoder, so I actually don't know 
I don't really know what he sounds like. He could have, he could have a really high pitched sort. He could sound like uh, Joe Pasquale for all I know. I've got absolutely no idea. But um, it made me think. It's like where I started researching vocoders and like what it was all about. And I uh, thought, well, is it if it's the fashion to just transpose your voice regardless of whether you've got a good voice or not? Could you just could you put that into like normal everyday scenarios? So I downloaded an app, a vocoder app. You can tell I was maybe getting sidetracked from my normal <laughs> job. And I, I and I thought, does it work? Does it work in our world? Could you just like talk about cars or something like that? So I'm going to see if I can do this. I did just did a little quick experiment <clears throat> of like using the vocoder voice and stuff. So I just did this. Tell me if you can hear this. Hang on. Yeah, you get me. I just want to test drive the Corsa 1.2. Get the best out of the rev range, yeah. Go downtown and see some ladies, yeah. Gonna do some handbrakes and all that jazz. Maybe get some Nando's. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. <laughs> Is this you announcing your recording career? Good. No, I just, I guess I just thought, well, it's using a totally, it's a voice changing app and then just talking about everyday things that you might or might not do. <clears throat> and then, Rich, I got a little carried away, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, could I use this newfound uh, synth voice to just I'm I'm just going to read an extract from a book. Mm-hmm. So I've, I I picked up a Tiff Nadell's autobiography that's <laughs> behind me. Tiff Tiff Gear, <laughs> you, you're aware of it. And I and I just I, I just opened a page at complete random, and then I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, and I picked page 166, and 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 I think this was the. This might have been um, when Tiff first got introduced to and got the job on Top Gear and got introduced to Jeremy. So here we go. I, I did another voice transpose. Might have even dropped a beat in. Okay. Page 166. Here we go. Hang on. Spring of 1987, and the phone rang, and my life would begin to turn in the direction I went. Never have even considered you. Yeah, I'll watch Top Gear on the TV, first presented by the likes of Angelo Rippon, 
and no lap months the late 70s now hosted by William Woolard. But it was now a consumer program looking at new cars, checking how many suitcases you get in the booth. Interesting, not really my team though. However, I now had a program producer Ken Pollock on the phone because they've been planning to do an item about the new Formula War first season single-seater thing, and their presenter, Chris Goffey, yeah, he'd broken his leg in a skate accident. Ken had read my track test, heard me commentating. He seemed confident that I could do the job, so off to Brad Satch, we went. Formula First was another of Brands Hatch Supremo John Webb's brilliant innovations. Formula Ford had become too expensive as an entry-level single-seater formula. She created this new cheaper version, yeah. She even made arrangements for drivers to buy their cars with a higher purchase agreement. And this time, our brother Chris and I would make our own racing debut. When I arrived, I was greeted by Ken, but Chris Goffey as well, suitably attired in plaster with crutches. Sweet. I, I feel like you may have chucked in a couple of years that weren't in the original. Would that be correct? Or just if genuinely right in a sort of street manner that I never spotted when I read his book? Okay, I've got to put my hand up and say I did adapt. There was a little small level of sort of patois uh-huh, and uh-huh. Um, street street lingo in there, which is not yeah. Nadell's forte, typically. Really? Yeah. yeah. If you can get that played on Radio 1, I will give you £7. I'm, well, okay. I'm going to try and do that. I'm going Which to try I think and... is what artists earn off uh, music streaming services these days, anyway. So you'd be up on the deal compared to H. As in seven pounds, it like in its entirety, or just per play? In its entirety, I think they oh. get a bit striped, don't they? They should do really, really well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, or I okay. could do what I did to my brother once when we were kids. I said to my brother, "If you can run two full laps of uh, field near our house, which was quite a big field." Right. Um, I will give you five pounds, which in those days was a lot of money. And he did it. He absolutely rinsed himself to <laughs> run without stopping two laps of this massive playing field. And uh, I gave him five pounds in weight of sand and dirt. Oh, and he was, he, he was, was furious. Cross. Yeah, understandably so. It was a real dick move, but um, you know that's what you do to your little brother when you're a kid, isn't it? So that, that um, is quite. That's awful. That is awful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of top five bad things that I did to him after pushing him through a window. Did you push him through a window? Yeah, not like on a first floor or anything. I just there was a, <clears throat> a, a, the glass in a porch door, and I accidentally pushed him through it. I caught him before he fell into the broken glass, I should add. So, you know, could kind of saved his life, if you look at it that way. But, um. <laughs> I threw a hammer at my brother once while he was running away. Whoa. Yeah, it hit him in the back. It was oh it was not a, not a great move. I mean, it could have been worse, but, yeah. Hammer to the back sounds like a great title for a rock song of some sort. Hammer to the back. He, Hammer he, to the back. He once pinned me up against a wall and then punched me in the face and, I, and broke a tooth. So there was no give in the wall. I was right up Ooh, against it. Shit. Yeah, we had some. We had some. You know, uh, serious exchanges of blows at times. Jeez. I know. You know, um, we were talking a few weeks ago, months ago, whenever it was. I don't know. We were talking about. I think about cockneys and how they insult people by just using any word. Like almost any word is an acceptable Cockney insult somehow. Go, what yeah. are you doing, you sideboard? They elongate the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe elongate it. Or just say it with a certain amount of sort of Ray Winston-style menace. But it's just, yeah, what, what's he doing? He's a complete cupboard. 
What's he on about? <laughs> it's true. That works. Oi, you, come here, you ice cream. He's going, that's not an insult. That's just a thing. It might even be a thing you're just looking at. He's like, why does it sound threatening and insulting? He's, don't touch that one over there. He's a tuppenny coin. Yeah. He's what? <laughs> yeah. It's just a small, small piece of money. What? I don't understand. Maybe it's because of the great history of cockney rhyming slang that you assume as a non-cockney you go well it must mean something it's he's 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 saying something else when he called that bloke over there to come over and then and they just went you are such a dishwasher does he mean literally is he just or is he just has he just seen what it's confusing but anything pretty much what? Look at that there. What an ironing board. Yeah. What? what? And I started thinking about this the other day. I was just amusing myself by, <laughs> by doing Cockney insults. And I started thinking about using car names instead. Oh. And the one that, for some reason, I thought sounded quite sounded quite like a, a Cockney insult, even though it's not and makes no sense, is going, what do you think I am? Some kind of lancia? Oh, oh yeah, because it's sort of like are you making me out to be sort of I don't like a dainty lady, a helpless lady or something. Maybe. That's almost what it evokes to me. You love. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I quite yeah. like that. What What is this? You 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 looking at me like I'm some kind of Peugeot? Yeah. <laughs> is that bad? Can't I tell. love that. I love that. You're going to take yourself down the road, turn left, turn right, and go and see Dacia Sandero. When you see that Dacia Sandero, <laughs> that dirty little Sandero is going to give you a package. Pick the package up, bring it back to me. All right. <laughs> I don't. If you don't do that, I'm going to give you the biggest kick you ever had in the Citrons. <laughs> where, where are they? I think I know what you mean from the tone. I mean, I'm looking for they? context clues here, Ray Winston, but um, it's bizarre, yeah. Does he even go deeper? Does he go into... Because you think, is, hang on, is this Cockney rhyming? Does Citrons rhyme with something that's Well, that's rude? what's mysterious about it, but that's but what's nobody... mysterious about Cockney insults generally. It's just that they're so, they're so strange and abstract. Oh, well, you're I'm... thinking more do I deeper going, don't take me for some kind of Ford Mondeo 1.8 GLX. <laughs> well, I, I don't that know about me. That's too specific. That's a bit specific, isn't it? It's a bit. Conversely, as well, Cockney, oh, man. Cockney man. marks of respect. I realised that you could sort of go, "Don't mess with him, Big John. Don't mess with him. He's the Primera around here." Oh my god! How weird was that? I was about to say Primera, and you it's said Primera it. doesn't sound like an insult. We know it doesn't. We know it's a car that won't die. Ah, don't we? Ah. So it's you know, like we've said before, like the Almira. All right. Well, Almira as well. Almira sounds like a mark of respect to someone's mother in Cockney world. Yeah, I should. It's old Betty Betty Stakes. It's her her 80th next weekend. You're going to go around and show your respects, right? Because she's the Almira around here. (sighs) Gary's mum passed away last week. She was such a beautiful little Almira, honestly. What an absolute (laughs) treasure of an Almira. Oh, dear. What a loss. Oh. Anyway, yeah, car insults. Slash. I, 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 anything, like anything I like that. Anything can be said. Anything <laughs> can be said in a Cockney accident, and it either sounds insulting or some kind of honorific that we non-Cockneys are completely unaware of. You're trying to shortchange me. Do I look like some kind of Honda? What are you on about? <laughs> uh, you filthy little rat, how dare you? I was going to say, don't be a civic. But we, when I was at school, when I was probably, we were in sixth form, we used to use the word civic to sort of mean towny. Oh, because of that, the civic hall? I guess so. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but I 
just remember he'd go oh watch out he's a total civic you know it's just like it just meant you know sort of towny lad who would probably start trouble with you and I don't like, know where it came I from mean, but yeah civic sounds... centre would make sense He's a bit of a civic, isn't he? The civic, so it's almost... Well, I, before the Type R era, it was always quite a timid car, I always thought. It was timid, but reliable. No, you're right. Actually, before the Type R, I couldn't imagine any Honda Civic pulling a knife on you outside of McDonald's. So, Oh, there's no not, way. It's not a an ci- accurate. A Civic's not going to like do you on the dance floor in the str- when the strobes are on full blast and you, you, just, you don't see what's coming. You just get taken out. <laughs> By some so windmilling like, fists. It looks like stop-frame animation version of violence. That's exactly what it is. It's like a cut-price John Woo uh, moment. <laughs> but <laughs> you're in a pre-internet nightclub. <laughs> I had a dream last night, and I don't remember my dreams very often. And you, 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 you might, might laugh at this one, because I have quite low aspirations. But I had a dream <laughs> that I was the drummer in the theme tune to the, the Night Rider um, music. And I was really proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, hang on, I'm trying to think of the drum track in that. Come it's on, just, think of it. It's, it's actually, it's got some quite good double time, double time drumming in it. But is it, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, it being the 80s, that was, yeah. I mean, that would have been a drum machine. I think it was real drumming. But, but yeah, I, I dreamt it was me, and I became infamous as a result. How, what were you doing? Were you in a studio in Los Angeles then with, like, one of those octagonal drum kits from the 80s? <laughs> I love an octagonal kit. That was my, that was at Christmas time, my dad's observation, that we were looking up embarrassing, like, music that, we, that I was trying to just make my dad laugh at. And I dug up, um, I think, a flight, The Flight of the Night by Christa Berg, which is, I think, one of the shittest songs of all time. And um, <laughs> and, and the, the drummer in the, 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 the song, when he was performing it live, had a hexagonal electric drum kit. And my, and my dad's best observation of the whole thing, apart from the fact it was just it's lots of embarrassing dad dancing and terrible flex suits and stuff. He just went... What, why are the drums oct- octagons? I don't understand why. I thought, yeah, how, can you get octagonal drums? And I was just, it really, really, it really made me laugh because I had to explain that they were electric drums, not real, real, real drums, not proper skins. Can but, I just ask a supplementary question about your dream? Did you, as I'm now yeah. picturing, yeah. have a very, very thin moustache? Uh, I can't remember what I look like. I can't remember my hair or my my level of face topiary. Um, I, but I think I definitely had a jacket with the sleeves rolled up, and they were it was silken, blues on style. Yeah, it would have, yeah, it would have had to have been fairly lightweight given the amount of drumming activity that your upper body. Does yeah can't be heavy. Couldn't it be like a wool coat. You'd be doomed. Um, yeah, I mean, even <laughs> goth drummers don't wear a woolen overcoat while they're drumming. Oh, what much. sort of a fool would do that? So no, is um, but I remember just being I've been really really respected by the masses for it. Um, and I kind of wish I hadn't told you now because it was cooler when it was just in my head. Yeah, but, but um, what's weird is that you've given me enough information that I can picture it, and I can picture where you are as well. Because when 
we were making the US version of Top Gear, I once went to Los Angeles and dropped in on them recording voiceover for the show. And oh. they were doing it in this recording studio um, just somewhere in Hollywood, which was a proper recording studio. So, you know, normally, well, you, as you well know, when they do voiceover for TV shows, you're usually in this tiny little booth that's basically a sort of soundproof cupboard. It's It's not usually very glamorous, but this... One of the rooms they were using was a full-size recording studio, and there was uh, Rutledge, one of the presenters of Top Gear US, yeah. standing in the middle of this really big space with just a microphone sort of hanging from the ceiling in front of him. <laughs> and this huge... I think they used to score TV shows and movies there because it sort of had enough space you could probably get a medium-sized orchestra in. And then there was a huge screen on one wall that, that played the pictures in. So Rutledge is doing his voiceover to the pictures that are being played on, like, this cinema screen in front what? of him. That sounds way and overkill for what they Way overkill. Need. And the guy, the guy, one of the guys who ran the place told us that Michael Bolton had recorded one of his albums there. I wish I could remember the name of the studio. And after oh. that, we were just like, oh, my God, this is the most fabulously cheesy place so all i can do now is picture you in that room with a very thin mustache and a lightweight blues on jacket twatting away at an octagonal <laughs> drum kit whilst the title sequence to night rider plays on the big screen oh my gosh and there will be a young not yet famous michael bolton that walks in on the session and he's sort oh, of sorry i've I, yeah i, I yeah. uh we have the small know. studio book next door because i'm not famous yet so yeah, I'm gonna. That in my head, I I drummed on the Night Rider theme tune, <clears throat> and it was double time. What would you like to have played it? Do you, do you ever wish you go? Oh, I wish I'd wish I've thought of that music score or that theme tune. Yeah, well, obviously, what of, of everything, well, of course. But I wanted to be. I mean, <clears throat> that is actually my my golden era of theme tunes, and I, I've always meant to look into this whether there was one guy because you remember like a lot of the BBC shows of the 80s particularly had their music was done by ronnie hazelhurst and his orchestra mm. and i wonder if there's an american equivalent i bet someone knows this and is at home screaming it was yeah it was it was chet blaze you dumbass and uh but there was obviously i think there must have been people there were who, you had mike post was it mike post that did all of the yes. did hill street blues and NYPD yes. blue and that's he, right of course. mike post mike post was like one of the pioneers of all of that i'm sure but i don't know whether he did your sort of titans of 80s title music by which i mean knight rider a team airwolf oh um, yeah what um, cagney and lacy what was the Incredible. dude? Uh, what, uh, Tom Selleck. What was the Tom Selleck Magnum. Ferrari? Magnum. See, I could see oh, you. Man. Imagine if you orchestrated that. Imagine if you'd written that theme tune to Magnum. It's funny because. Are you familiar with um, the song Bag It Up by Jerry Halliwell? Oh, gosh. Bag it up. And I can't oh, yes. Hear that without seeking it in my head into the Magnum th- theme tune because they both have that sort of, sort of rhythm to the uh, melody. Jerry, Jerry Halliwell should have never done anything solo. She's the most think. successful solo Spice Girl. Is she? I think so, yeah. Really? Know, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it on, on his bog awful Piers Morgan programs, and she, he went, Now, of course, you're the most solo successful Spice Girl and reeled off all the stats. And she sat there pretending she didn't know that, and I was like, Bullshit. You check oh, every knows. day. She checks every she day just knows. to make sure Mel C hasn't snuck up on her with her 
with I her. think Mel C's the most successful. I I'm pretty she's certain it's, it's Jerry. She's deceptively successful, yeah. By singing over the Magnum theme tune. But that era, eighties eighties big hour long US light hearted drama is the best way to describe it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because they that's the thing, because like the A team, it's it's an it's a big orchestral piece. Oh yeah, it's huge, and um, and it has the dun 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 dun. dun, dun. So you got sort of chapters. It, oh yeah, it's it's, oh, a, it's, it's a theme tune of halves or quarters. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's it's a roller coaster. So oh, much man. going on. A team was bloody brilliant. It's a masterstroke. Uh, yeah, you see, I don't think you could make <clears> those shows anymore. They're just too expensive. They were oh, just constantly trashing cars. You know, it's like the A team. Wasn't yeah. the episode wasn't complete until at least one car had done that sort of signature move where it went up a half ramp. It's the barrel twisted roll in the air, twist. yeah, and then dropped onto its nose the wrong way up and sort of flipped That's onto right. its wheels. And it's yeah. like every week that had to happen, otherwise the episode was considered a failure. Oh, there's. I mean, how many Willis jeeps got thrown with full of military dressed dummies got got tumbled? I like the one where they they clip a. They clip a gorse bush and it manages to do a 13-foot pirouette spin jump and you're like, it's a gorse bush for crying out loud. What's inside the gorse bush? A solid piece of lead that nobody's seen. (laughs) Brilliant. It's one of those anti-ram raid bollards but with a gorse bush carefully placed in front of it. (laughs) I love it. What what made the A-team sort of lighter, though, was that there would be that kind of accident and then they would sort of show the four colonel decker's henchmen in military uniforms clambering out of the wreckage mostly unharmed they might have a little trickle of blood coming off their forehead or something but nothing major you know nothing oh. plaster wouldn't get rid of and so it had that sort of friendliness to it no one was ever going to get shot in the face by a no one <laughs> no okay. one got stabbed no no but definitely not as you will know as well as i do any time you're trying to do some kind of stunt for a TV show. It yeah. takes fucking ages, and it costs an absolute fortune. Just yeah. any, even the most. Oh, we just want. Yeah, we just. Well, we're making casualty. We just want that that old Mondeo just to reverse into the side of that Clio, please, at about five miles an hour. Okay, well, we'll block out two days for rehearsals, and then, <laughs> uh, we'll get a stunt coordinator in here. And it's just like, oh my god, this is going to cost us 150 grand. It's too much for a three-second shot. And uh, yeah. so you imagine trying to make the A team and go, okay, so the Jeep is going to hit that gorse bush that's actually got a lead ramp inside it, <laughs> fly into the air, pirouette over, <laughs> and then nosedive down. It's, uh, and, uh, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'd yeah, like we'll to just... do cash in, cash in hand stunts so that none of the paperwork's yeah. done. We <laughs> just get on and do it. Are you riding the cameras yet? Dude, we haven't even taken the cameras out of the boxes. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it in two minutes. Take or leave it. I was watching an episode of the A-Team with uh, an American friend a few years ago and there's a bit where they sort of come power sliding onto a promenade and he went, oh, that's um, that's the promenade at Santa Monica in Los Angeles. And I was wow. like, oh, right. And he went, it doesn't look like they've closed it down though. Look, there's just people walking around. <laughs> I went, oh yeah, it's very crowded. I mean, they can't have, surely they couldn't have got in like 200 extras. It just looks like they've just, they've just They've just the done it. Driver to do a power slide on a pedestrianised area on a really long camera shot. And he's right. I think this was long before health and safety made you fill in a lot of risk assessments for stuff like that because it feels a bit loose somehow. We just needed to get on with it. 
that's the thing. You just need to get on with these things. You know how slow TV is, especially when you've got big, but a big uh, productions and large crews. It, it can be boringly slow, which sort of take takes the pep out of it. One of the guys who built the studio set for the first series of Top Gear USA was a real sort of gnarly old Hollywood dude, and. I was talking to him once, and he, he went, oh, yeah, it's not the same anymore, you know. We used to get a set up in hours, or we'd just do it overnight, but there was a lot more cocaine in those days. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. A lot more. In other words, he's <laughs> not ruling more, out that it still exists. <laughs> Which is basically, yeah, he was just implying that everything used to get done is sort of quickly and in a slightly haphazard way because everybody was coked off their heads. Can you imagine that though when you're dealing with pyrotechnics and jumping Cadillacs and stuff and everybody's yeah. got a load of Boutros garlic up their nose <laughs> Bloody <laughs> The so... 18 van does a hard landing and there's just white powder poof, bursts out of all of the tyres and the stuntman oh had... even the van's on coke. The stuntman had just so off his face and eager totally forgotten to even put his open face helmet on and just done it anyway and slapped his head on the steering wheel that baker like wheel <laughs> bang oh don't worry mate i'll be all right just give us another toot yeah. <laughs> are you okay yeah i'll be fine just uh just give me a line i'll be good um yeah there we go uh, that that's 80s 80s car stunts <laughs> 80s cocaine stunts incorporated <laughs> <laughs> the fall guy that's the bit they didn't show <laughs> the, every time I see a fall guy big truck jump that lands on the tarmac road I think oh the spinal compression on that is pretty hardcore you know they ended up building a special jump truck for that show that was mid-engined to get the balance right so they built a, a one-off I think was it a one-off do you know this story no it was a, they, they moved the engine to the middle I don't know how. I guess it was in the pickup bed and then just sort of covered with a... Yeah, it was, it was just in the pit with a shit tonneau cover. Yeah. And, yeah, and it had kind of Baja racer spec suspension, the idea being it could jump and it would always fly straight and level, land yep. nicely four square, and the yep. suspension could take it so that it was reusable. It was the space shuttle of stunt trucks because they were getting through so many. It's basically, you know, a truck per What's jump. Uh, yeah, I bet. And how many jumps per episode? Probably two or three. Well, it was quite a casual jump of that truck, wasn't it? It wasn't like it would just sort of jump just during a chase and they wouldn't even make a big fuss about it. It's like even the even the Dukes of Hazard, you know, the jump was a sort of set piece that they would slow-mo it and all sorts. But the fall guy, yeah. he'd just sort of jump over a crash barrier and continue the pursuit. And it, it, they, so they needed a, a, a truck that could bounce back, literally. Um, and so, yeah, they built a mid-engined lookalike. <laughs> True facts. That's great. I didn't yeah. know that. See, oh, Rich, you're furnishing me with some wonderful information. Thanks, mate. I um, I found a mouse inside my Allegro yesterday. That's not a UB40 song, by the way. I know it sounds like one, but I did, and um, it had been trapped half in. From what I could tell, it was dead. Half in, half out of a hole in the sill on the inside, like where the heaters. Like the heater outlets would be kind of down by the pedal box, so it was it sort of squeezed half in and half out of a hole and then just given up and died. It wasn't grey, it definitely wasn't uh, Aston Martin grey. <laughs> is that not a farrow and ball colour dead mouse or dead salmon? Mouse's back is the grey. Is that really a 
Yeah, yeah, genuinely. I'm pretty certain. Mouse is back. Colours. Mouse is back, yeah. But Dead Mouse would do it as well, although that is also a DJ. So, I mean, that mouse must have been there sometime because it didn't smell or anything. Well, it they don't, dry, do they? Because there's not a lot of meat on a mouse. So, Well, they smell quite bad, Rich. I'll add this to my roster of dead animals that you have found, along with the dog, obviously. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's an old, a very old bookshop in town where I live, and they also they do collectible books like first edition James Bonds and all that shiz. But in the window, they have a selection of taxidermy, and there and I went in there just before Christmas to buy a couple of books, and there was a sign in there saying, "If you have any dead animals." that are fresh um oh we will buy them off you for taxidermy. but seriously i kind of did a double take and i said to the woman do you guys is that real is that true she goes yeah yeah my husband does taxidermy and um so if you ever find like a, i don't know let's say a squirrel and it's freshly dead freeze it bring it to us and we can use it for taxidermy and i was like oh i mean it's a bit macabre but i was also quite fascinated with it Bit strange. <laughs> Roadkill statues. <laughs> it's just a lot of squashed badgers and foxes. <laughs> I'd quite like a completely squashed one with a tire mark in it. If you could taxidermy that, that would could be quite fascinating. I'm going to mm. stop talking. Stop it's probably a good time to end, isn't it? But it, it has been, as ever, a, a delight to talk. And um, I guess we will be back again with more of this next week. In the meantime, don't forget to do some liking and subscribing, please. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Tell you what, Rich, I stink. I smell so strongly of brute. I reckon I'm going to get chased by wasps. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.